biggest thing is just to allow yourself to experience it. That if you're angry, be angry. That if you're frustrated, express that in some way, whether it's journaling or whether you dance it out or, you know, at that time of the full moon, you know, you do a big releasing ritual of some kind, even if it's just ripping up some paper and burning it in a fire and it's like, this is the stuff I'm letting go. You know, whatever it is that may resonate or work for you, just don't ignore it. Welcome to the Limitless Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Mason. The time is now for us to break free of conditioned habits, discover our unique gifts, and make a lasting impact on the world by connecting with our souls. I'm sharing with you all the wisdom and tools I've been taught on meditation, mindfulness, yoga, business, and spirituality. I'll be having conversations with other creative entrepreneurs who have manifested outward success by doing inner work success comes from within. Let's go on this expansive journey together. Hello, welcome to the Limitless Soul podcast. If you are new around here, so great to meet you. I'm Kelly Mason, your hostess for today. And today I have on a guest. Her name is Julie Parker. She is the founder of Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she passionately trains heart-centered people to become life coaches. And she's also the founder of Priestess Temple School, a global movement devoted to uplifting modern-day priestesses as they explore sacred leadership and service in the 21st century. Julie is committed to contributing to a world where presence, healing, and social justice are honored. She has trained with high priestesses and modern-day mystery schools from all over the world. This episode was really fun to talk about all things compassionate leadership and what it means to be a high priestess. I was so interested in Julie's take on that and and from her Celtic roots that she's explored because um, a lot of times we hear these words being thrown around and we don't really know what they mean. So it was really interesting to hear what a high priestess means to Julie and how anybody can, can choose that path um, and be called into that work of holding sacred space and tapping into your most compassionate self so that others may feel your light. And it's really just a beautiful, beautiful thing that she's doing and creating Um, She's worked with thousands of people speaking and holding sacred space in circles. She's also a flower essence practitioner and is a recipient of numerous leadership and women's awards. She also has a podcast, um, host of the top ranking priestess podcast. She's interviewed some of the world's great spiritual thought leaders and has a committed spiritual path that honors her Celtic lineage connection to the great mother and self. She lives in Australia. Her accent is amazing. If you're American, I just, you know how it is. We're like, oh my gosh, can you please keep talking? And she's just really precious. And um, this conversation was, was really special. It was really an honor to connect with her. And I think that you'll really enjoy all of the places that we go and all of the, the things that we discover in this conversation together as we've been locked up in COVID across the world. Um there's a lot of similarities happening across 
the entire earth. And really interesting to hear two people who practice light work chatting it up about how we can hold that space during these really tough times. Before we hop into the episode, I wanted to let you know that as you are listening to this in real time on December 3rd, 2020, I have a special offering that I'm putting out exclusively for this last month of the 2020 year because as we all know, it's been pretty intense and kind of rough and our minds can be very scattered and it can be really hard to even think about 2021. So I'm, I created an offer called the end of year forecasting and Basically, it's an intuitive card reading that I typically do, but I added a spin on it and we'll be working with a three different decks and a ton of crystals that I have that you get to access and choose. And this is all virtual. And we'll be asking questions like, what's my life's purpose for the rest of 2020? How can we close this year out very intentionally and focused on something instead of our minds being so scattered, pulling us in many directions? You'll find out which teachers and guides, ascended masters, or angels are here to support you through the rest of the year, and what energy you can embody to support your soul's expansion, your your presence, your focus on the intention that you are going towards for the rest of the year in this session. It's $50 for a half an hour. It's a virtual They're so much fun. I got so much information out of the reading that I did for myself that I decided I wanted to turn it into a little exclusive offering for the rest of this year. So if you want to take one of those six spots, there is a link in our bio on Instagram, or you can check out limitlesssoullife.com and you can scroll down on the homepage to the intuitive card reading sessions. Or you can click the link in the show notes to directly go to book a session with me. There's only six for the rest of the year. That's all I'm doing. Um, And I hope to see you in one of those sessions. They're really powerful. So if you've been needing a little bit more guidance, maybe you can't really focus on something. Maybe you're worried about the future and you just need some clarity. I promise this reading is very powerful and gave me so much insight. I feel really, really, really solid and clear about um, the rest of this year. So go ahead and snag one of those and I will see you soon. Enjoy this episode with the High Priestess, Julie Parker. Welcome, Julie, to the Limitless Soul podcast. I am so excited to be talking to you all the way across the globe. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) opposite sides of the world down here in Melbourne, Australia. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. It's so funny. Before we hopped on this call, um, Julie was telling me it's the beginning of the day, right? You're actually in the future right now. I am. (laughs) It is the day after of where you are uh, early in the morning. So yes, many of my uh, North American or European friends find that quite odd, which I understand. <laughs> it is. It's just kind of mind-boggling and funny and also very cool that <laughs> it's possible. So neat. Um, well, before we get started, why don't you share with uh, everyone who's listening a little bit about yourself, what you do, um, some things that you love about what you're up to right now. And yeah, well, we know you're in Australia, so that's also very cool. Love 
Yeah, well, this is the wonder of technology in the modern age, isn't it, for us to be connecting all around the world. And I'm sure that you have listeners that come from all over the world and are listening Mm -hmm. to this in various different locations around the globe. So hello to everyone. You know, it seems like such a simple question to ask me what it is that I do, but I, I lead such a varied and eclectic life, a wonderful life and have wonderful businesses in many ways that it's it's a little hard to answer. But in a nutshell, um, Kelly, I am a life coach trainer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. And I also happen to be a priestess and the co-founder of Priestess Temple School. And so I have this uh, beautiful balance in my life between uh, training and working with up-and-coming life coaches who are doing brilliant and wonderful light work in the world through the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and also then working deeper with many women from around the world at a Uh, a soul and spiritual level, desiring to bring forth their sacred leadership gifts uh, through the inspiration and guidance of the archetype of the priestess. And I love both and they are at once both separate but also interconnected. You know, like you don't need to be a priestess to be a life coach and you don't need to be a life coach to be a priestess. Um, It just so happens that I wear both hats or cloaks, if you'd like to, you know, put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they feel deeply resonant and connected to me, but they also have their separate sides as well. So I feel like I get to do this beautiful mix and blend of soul and spiritual work. Uh, and I'm certain that it's part of the reason that I feel so blessed and content and happy right now in my life. And that I feel like I'm really bringing forth my soul gifts, which is so important. Yeah. So important to follow that. Did you have a past life before all of this? I'm so curious about like how you came to be a life coach and also this revelation and ownership of being a priestess and, and wearing that proudly and sharing that, that with people. So what were you what were you doing before all of this is there is there a is a, pre, a prequel to the pre <laughs> <laughs> you know that is a really wonderful question that no one has ever actually asked me before and i have had a a, 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 a sort of mini experience of a past life regression before, but nothing that I would ever say was really significant. And now that you ask me that question, Kelly, it has actually really piqued my curiosity around wanting to explore that. And maybe that is something that I should explore further. However, part of the reason, not all of it, um, but part of the reason why I feel so resonant Uh, with being a modern day priestess is that through my own exploration of my cultural lineage and uh, family tree and ancestral line, I came to understand and discover in a really wonderful way and a very privileged way, may I say, because I understand that not everyone is as blessed as I am 
to be able to trace their lineage back as far as I have. I've I've managed to get back to the 10th century, which oh is gosh. just extraordinary. I would never in a million years have ever thought that that was possible when I first started to just play with it. Um, but that's eventually where I got, which was incredible. And I have realised that throughout that line that I come from a very strong line of women who in varying different ways held leadership positions in their families, in their communities, in their careers and the work that they did. Now, not all of them, you know, I can't sit here and say, oh, yes, I come from a line of named priestesses. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they called themselves and that's exactly what they did because let's face it, nobody within a modern context has been calling themselves a priestess until much more recent times. And there's lots of patriarchal, you know, protective reasons behind that. But there's no doubt when I look at the jobs and the roles that they've held, um, in spiritual ways, in community ways, in leadership ways, that that's exactly what they were. And I'm um, still for some of them living what they are. Uh, they might not necessarily have seen themselves as such, but if they had desired to, they certainly could have. And so uh, I really feel as though it's something that is part of my DNA. Now, it doesn't have to be part of someone's DNA for them to consider themselves to be a priestess, but it, it certainly has been for me. Can you explain to us what being a priestess means to you and, you know, in general, what, what that term would associate with? Yeah. Well, you know, if you were to ask this of many different priestesses around the world, the first thing I want to share is that I believe that it's likely that while there might be a common golden thread of some kind, and there, there would be, I would say, between their responses to that, they'd also probably give you different reply. It's like asking someone, um, what is a witch? Mm-hmm. You know, or asking a witch, what does a witch mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, she may have a very different response to someone else, depending upon her beliefs and practices. Mm-hmm. But At the heart of it, Kelly, for me, a priestess is a sacred spiritual leader. She is somebody that in particular holds loving space for other women to tap into their soul gifts and bring forth their own version of what it means to be a sacred spiritual leader. Now, this is not something that is really any that different to what priestesses did in many different cultures around the globe in ancient times. Because, of course, being a priestess is not something that's new. You know, it's something that has been within our cosmos for thousands and thousands of years. And priestesses from ancient cultures such as, you know, Greece, Rome, the Celts, the Vikings, the Mayans, um, there are Japanese priestesses, uh, voodoo priestesses, mumbos, you know, so many different priestesses from different cultures around the world have some kind of similar version of that. They are space holders for spiritual uh, awakening, exploration and gifts. And so this may mean there could be a woman that is listening to this right now thinking, 
hold up a second. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. And absolutely, it could be without question, without question. But that's essentially what ancient priestesses did, working through Mother Earth, various different types of goddesses and sacred rituals and practices. And it is what priestesses do today. Now, they may come in many forms. They may be a life coach, a Reiki healer, a past life regressionist, a, a, a practitioner of the Akashic records, a crystal healer a sacred space holder, a red tent convener could be in many different ways. Uh, but that's essentially what they are at the heart of it, a sacred spiritual leader and in particular one that holds space for others to bring forth their leadership gifts as well. Mm, beautiful. Before you um, kind of came to this realization that I am a priestess, was there some sort of event that happened in your life that brought you to this work or were you raised in a more, you know, spiritual family or culture that instilled these values in you? You know, how did, how did you come to that, you know, ownership of that? Mm. Well, I was raised in a, a traditional Christian household, mm. uh, like many people, uh, are throughout the world, not all, of course, but, you know, your fairly traditional country farming family that went to church on a Sunday and Sunday school. And so I certainly would say that it was more of a religious upbringing than a, than a spiritual one. However, running parallel to that was very much a, a family that because we did uh, own a farm and we had an orchard and a huge garden of food and vegetables and animals and all of those sorts of things, very earth-based. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I now look back on as part of my childhood, and I see that is just this deep love uh, for Mother Earth and all of her magic and cycles and seasons. And that was something that has most definitely impacted, you know, my spiritual beliefs at a later time in life. Um, like many of us, again, not all, of course, but I should say some of us, maybe not many is not the right term, but some of us, you know, as I got older, I sort of moved away from uh, that more defined rigid, I think, Christian upbringing and one in particular where the budding and burning feminist that I was in my teens and grew into in my 20s and still very much am now, you know, it was like, well, I'm not sure that I really resonate with all of this talk about women being such sinners and, you know, in a control of bodies and sexuality and all those sorts of things it's like this is kind of not really resonating with me like maybe it once did or had to when I was a little girl you know where truth be told the thing that I loved most about church was singing mm -hmm. and getting to see my friends mm -hmm. you know and so I realized that that sort of really wasn't the path for me but the actual pivotal moment really in my life Kelly and it's 
really, it was pivotal for me, but it sounds like such a a ho-hum experience. And in many ways it was. I happened to be interviewing a woman at the time, just like you're interviewing me right now. And I asked her a question, which was, what was the greatest education and learning that she'd ever undertaken that had impacted her work? And she was an extremely successful life coach. And she said, actually, it's been my priestess training and priestess exploration that has most impacted me at a soul level. Well, this was the very first time that I'd ever heard this word. Mm. And something happened to me. When she said it, it was like a portal opened. I completely lost my place. Thank goodness it was not being videoed because I must have looked like a deer in the headlights. You know, she she said this word and I was like, what? What is that? What does that mean? And I asked her some more questions about it. And immediately after that interview, I found myself down this rabbit hole, you know, Alice in Wonderland style, in many ways, exploring what a priestess was and where did this come from and what did this mean? And over the ensuing weeks and months, I realised, which I think given my embodied reaction I had from the moment she'd said the word that I was one. Mm -hmm. It's just that I didn't know it. And from then on, it's become such a significant part of my life. It's funny how sometimes the most simple things are the most powerful, you know? Yes. Like I've asked a lot of people those similar kinds of questions and um, it, it always is something way less, you know, dramatic than we, than it seems. Of course, there's also people who have um, like a near death experience or something like that, that pulls them into this space of, of awakenedness. But a lot of times it's something very simple, a simple comment or a word or a sight or an an awareness. And it's really interesting. Um, After you, you know, started diving down this Alison Wonder rabbit hole. I'm sure it was like, <laughs> whoa, this is so cool. Did you really feel um, like a deep resonance with your Celtic lineage immediately? Or was that something that came later on as you started exploring this? That very much came later on. Okay. You know, when I first started to explore the world of the priestess and what she did, the ancient cultures and traditions and what I found within a modern context, it was more connected to what I did at that time. You know, I was holding sacred circles. I was training coaches. I was doing various different things in a leadership capacity that felt aligned with that. But it wasn't until the past became very serious for me and I realised that I was really meant to do a great deal more in that space that I then began to really seriously think about uh, where do I come from? Mm -hmm. You know, what does this really mean for me from an ancient lineage perspective is there something there and I also want to share as well Kelly that what also became important to me within that was that I was beginning to see 
it had been there for a long time, but I don't necessarily think that I had seen it as much as I had begun to. We all awaken to things at different times, of course. There began to be, and this is a number of years ago now, a lot of conversations that were swirling around about cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. in spiritual communities, around everything from the over and misuse of things like sage Mm -hmm. and mala beads and various different practices and rituals that were, let's face it, chiefly being undertaken by white women Um, appropriating Indigenous cultures and cultures of uh, people of colour, black, brown, um, Indigenous and other people of colour from around the world that were inappropriate, unacceptable, colonising in so many different ways. And one of the things that a a wonderful um, black woman by the name of Lisa Renee Hall, who was doing a lot of work around encouraging, I was a Patreon of hers, and she was doing a lot of work around encouraging people to explore their ancestry, Mm -hmm. to address their whiteness and address their colonial past. And I thought, okay, I need to do this because there are things within my line that I need to look at and heal and I need to better understand. Mm -hmm. And so exploring that lineage for me and finding out, which I knew on the surface um, anyway, just simply from basic family history that my line was chiefly English, Welsh and Irish with a bit of a sprinkling of Greek and Spanish and Iberian in there, uh, opened up this wonderful gateway to me into the world of the Celtic goddesses and pantheon and priestessing. And it has really grounded me in so much richness of my own cultural line and spiritual practices and exploration and really helping me to understand and now spreading lots of messages around this that there is not the need to take. We, of course, must appreciate, but there is no need for us to take um, from other cultures and adopt practices that are really not ours to adopt because we all have our own. You know, many white people think that they do not have culture or they do not have spiritual practices that they can tap into and explore and use. But you do. You just need to research them and look back far enough um, rather than picking up, you know, $2 dream catches that are appropriated and sold in junk stores and not supporting um, Indigenous cultures and communities from from which they've basically been stolen. And so that was part of the exploration, but it came later. And I'm now, I'm glad that it came when it did, and it's now very much a part of my world. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think this is something that a lot of people are starting to become aware of and awaken to that, you know, I, I don't know where I read this, but it was talking about how many um, how many generations of DNA we carry in our bodies. And it was something like, I, don't, I have to, I'm going to botch it, but it was something like five or eight generations that like we can feel and tap into pretty easily into our, in our lives. And that's pretty far back. 
like that's a long way back. Yeah. Like hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. Mm. And, um, it's very like present and fresh in our, in our bodies. And it's so interesting because when you think about even colonialism and, and whenever I live in the United States, when so many people came here, it's like, there's so much far, you know, everybody came from somewhere and mm-hmm. we forget that. And some people are indigenous and native to this land. And we forget that we aren't, you know, we're American because we were born here, but we're not mm-hmm. necessarily all from here. And Correct. Exactly yeah. the same in Australia. Yeah. You know, we have an extraordinary indigenous, you know, culture here as well. But there are many of us that even though we were born here, you know, we were not born here of somebody that was here if we are not Indigenous in the original sense. We've all come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And for many of us, uh, experienced pain and loss and longing as a result of that. You know, Australia is a penal colony, you know, first white settled um, with many people, not all, but many people who were displaced from their own homes and shipped and transported here as criminals for Mm. crimes such as, you know, stealing food Mm. to survive and um, prostitution and, uh, you know, possibly cheating on their wife or husband, you know, adultery of some kind and suddenly found themselves three quarters way around the world in a strange land uprooted from their culture their roots and having to start all over again and uh, you know there are instances and stories of things like this in different countries from all over the world and you know we want to live in the present Mm -hmm. um and be focused and present in the here now and willing to explore the wonderful lives that we have but exploring our past and histories can teach us so much as well it's really fascinating and a very very worthwhile thing i think for everyone to do mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of um comforting because you start to realize how alike we all are in so many ways and you know in a time where we we really can feel separate and different and a lot of people are on a journey of you know, really going inward and connecting with ourselves. And I think that's something that's really been prevalent in the last, I don't even know what month it is anymore, day <laughs> since like oh. March, you know, mm. it's, it's been um, a really deep time of that going inward and healing and looking and, and listening to what's going on inside and sending a lot of people on this journey that maybe they weren't like <laughs> ready for or prepared for. And at least for me, I've been doing this kind of work for several years now of going inward and listening and trying to discover different parts of myself. So it was definitely um, when this all happened in March, you know, the the coronavirus and people being forced to go inside literally to deepen that and really start to unpack you know, when you, when you, when you're so busy going day to day, it's like, you think you've kind of got it figured out (laughs) until you realize you don't. (laughs) My gosh, that is so true. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got this. I'm fine. I can be home and inward. And then there's these spurts of, I don't think that this is fine. Ah, there's another layer. (laughs) Um, 
For you being home these these last several months and having some time to really go deeper, what are some of the things that came up for you that were maybe surprising or revealing, if you'd like to share? Yeah, my gosh, what a year. What like 20, a year. What a know. year, seriously. <laughs> 2020 Wild. is going, going to go down as one for the annals, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like if I ever and blessed enough to be a grandmother or a great grandmother or some such thing. I was saying to my husband only just this past weekend, you know, we must take some photographs mm. of ourselves I said, in, in masks, I said, and with things that are different around, I said, because it's going to be one of those ones. I think that if we have grandkiddies that they're going to ask us about, it's like, did you live through the pandemic? And it's like, yes, we did. And, um, it's been an incredibly interesting, enlightening, and I'm going to say it challenging and unpleasant year in many ways. At the time of recording this, Kelly, we are still in a hard lockdown here in Melbourne, Australia. And when I say hard, I mean really hard. Um, We have a, we are unable to leave our homes except for a five-kilometre radius um, to go grocery shopping or to go to the post office. Uh, No restaurants or cafes are open except for takeaways. There are no retail shops open, only essential services such as the grocery store, the post office, things like that. Um, You're unable to have visitors in your home. Um, It's a really strict lockdown. And we have been in this form of lockdown since uh, July. We're now in October. And we have been in the previous stage of lockdown to that apart from two weeks since March, which, of course, is when things became challenging for all of us. We opened up for two weeks here and unfortunately experienced a very large spike in cases. And uh, the result of that was they decided to go for a harder lockdown and it's been going on for a really long period of time because what they're trying to do here is not have a third wave. They want to close it. And there's been lots of disagreements about this. There are some people that are in favour, some people that are not. But basically what this has meant is that for the overwhelming majority of the year, I have been separated from everyone in my family and my friendship circle, except for my husband. Um, I have a stepdaughter, his daughter from his first marriage. She's a beautiful young woman, 21 years old. We have not seen her in months because she lives um, outside the five kilometre radius. And that's been really hard. And so for me, there have been lots of things come up around frustration separation and anger you know there have been times where I have felt so angry about this you know and then other times where I have been so deeply trying to surrender to what is clearly a collective global experience that we are all going through in some form or another and trying to hold on to the notion that this must be for some reason in in some way and and to keep trying to search for the good and the light and 
the the message and the deeper lessons in it. I feel very blessed that um, no one within my immediate circle has passed away um, from COVID. I have known people to be very unwell and I have known people to pass but not one people that I've known very well and I know that that is not everyone's experience. Uh, you know, the the virus has hit our aged care homes very badly here uh, and there have been many, many elderly people die and my father passed last year in an aged nursing home and I have thought about him so deeply throughout this entire experience and actually expressing enormous gratitude for him leaving us when we when he did. Because if he had been alive during this time, there is the significant potential that he may have contracted COVID and died in that way rather than peacefully in his sleep the way that he did but also that we would have been separated from him. Mm-hmm. And the thought of him passing alone and without us there, my mom and myself, would have just been devastating. It was devastating to lose him enough as it was, but to have lost him in those circumstances would have been terrible even more. And so I can only be trying to find gratitude in various different moments and ways, but it's it's been challenging. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's all been, you know, lovely. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because it hasn't been. It's certainly allowed me lots of time to deepen my spiritual practice, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be frank and say that was always pretty strong to begin with. I would rather have been out having a cocktail with my my, my daughter, you know, and, yeah. and having or having avocado toast at our local cafe but it's the simple things isn't it that you just like oh you forget yeah it's it's interesting that you bring up and also I'm very grateful that you brought up you know the feelings of anger and Mm -hmm. frustration because a lot of times people perceive us who do work with um you know light leadership and you know working with things like meditation and, you know, being present and peaceful that we don't experience those things. And Mm. it's such a, you know, I try my best to express on all an array of emotions in the journey through my community and being very real and authentic with the people that I speak with. Um, But that has been a real, real heavy, uh, theme that's come up and I'm just curious how you're moving through that and and you know not allowing it to stick get you stuck because I know you're still serving your community and sharing and holding space for other people and I think it's also really refreshing for people to know who are listening like you can still be going through things and hold space for other people maybe that looks different maybe it's you know maybe you're doing it in different ways but you know, what has that been like for you, like processing those emotions, honoring them, and also being there for other people through your community? Well, I actually think that people who allow themselves uh, and give themselves grace and permission to experience the full gamut of emotions are better space holders. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put that right out there. <laughs> it's like you're a better space holder t- for allowing yourself 
basically not to spiritually bypass. Let's call this what it is, Kelly. Yeah. It's like if you if you are refusing to acknowledge your anger, your frustration, mm-hmm. your tiredness, your jealousy, your bitterness, you know, we all have these things um, that circulate around us and through our ego and plane of existence and thought and feelings in various different ways at different times, uh, then you are spiritually bypassing your way um, through those particular things or maybe even through life as a whole. Mm -hmm. Because our anger, our sacred fire, our rage, our frustration, all of those things, they have so much to teach us. Mm -hmm. You know, our shadow, our darkness. And if we're not prepared to look at it, we're not seeing ourselves as whole Mm -hmm. and we're not giving ourselves permission to be whole. And that means we're also not holding space and giving permission for others to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be prepared to go there. And so for me, honestly, it sounds so simple and it's not in any way necessarily simple at all. But the the biggest thing is just to allow yourself to experience it. That if you're angry, be angry. That if you're frustrated, express that in some way, whether it's journaling or whether you dance it out or you know, at that time of the full moon, you know, you do a big releasing ritual of some kind, even if it's just ripping up some paper and burning it in a fire. And it's like, this is the stuff I'm letting go. You know, whatever it is that may resonate or work for you, just don't ignore it. Mm -hmm. Really. It's like, just don't ignore it. Just don't push it away because it will actually never go away. It will always come back and it will always nip or bite or actually devour you whole in some way or another. And here's the thing, you won't necessarily get to determine what that looks like or when it will look like. You know, we all have had those experiences in life where something has nibbled at us and gnawed at us sometimes for years until we pay attention to it. And we do something about it. Like that can happen with our bodies. Yeah. You know, something can nibble and gnaw at us until we pay attention to it and address it. It just does that. But then other times it might nibble for a short while, but then all of a sudden something will happen and it will devour us. And this is where we can fall into things such as depression, um, experience extreme anxiety, or uh, a collapsing of a relationship, and that relationship may be with ourselves, and it be messy mm-hmm. and really hard to manage. And maybe that is what has to happen, you know, maybe for you. Um, or for someone, and that's okay. It's meant to be what you work through. But also it doesn't necessarily have to be like that if you just pay loving attention Mm. to it and to know that no such thing is a bad feeling, no such thing. They're all okay and that you're okay and not a bad person for experiencing them. In fact, you're going to be better, richer, deeper and wiser for allowing yourself to do so. Mm. Yes, and that is the truth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It sure is, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's so important to hear that and everyone who's listening just to to remember that as we're on this journey of connecting back with ourselves, as we're on this journey to getting to know ourselves, a lot of stuff is going to appear and it's it's okay and it, it'll look like different for everyone. I think that's important to remember too because oftentimes yeah. we, we're so outward you know we're looking at things we're hearing things we're experiencing things outwardly and um having these expectations that oh that'll be my my situation or that'll be how things are supposed to be or go and that's not necessarily true all the time <laughs> or no <ever. laughs> yeah i was gonna say or ever exactly this does not always you know lessons in life and soul awakenings and journeys do not necessarily come to us wrapped up in the bow in the color of our choice mm. yeah. doesn't happen that way uh not at all yeah we are some complex beings <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the truth yeah. yes okay so this last little part this has been so amazing, Julie. Thank you for spending this time with us. Oh, so my pleasure. You are just wonderful. Um, this last little part is a little game that I like to play. So just to get to know you a little bit better. And it's called Boil It Down. So I'll ask you a question and then you boil it down to a one word answer. Ooh, I love it. I love I know, these everybody games. Loves Excellent. The, everybody loves oh, the I game. love it. You I know, love we, it. we get into these conversations, like let's <laughs> wrap it up with, you know, something fun. Yeah. Okay. So first question, favorite place on earth? A waterfall. Mm. Favorite smell? Baked cookies. Favorite flower? Rose. Favorite word? Luminous. Oh, yeah. Favorite time of day? Early morning season autumn your fall yeah isn't that funny that we call it fall there was a there was a meme that went around the other day it was like everybody else calls it autumn and americans <laughs> fall because the leaves fall on the ground it was funny you're precious you're you're amazing <laughs> americans you really are it's like i get it but autumn it's such a beautiful word <laughs> Why change I it? I have no idea. I'll have to get to the root of that. I don't know. I don't get it. There's a lot of things to do. I don't understand. I'm really, like, why did I have it? <laughs> um, favorite word. Did I ask you that already? Yeah, luminous. Luminous. Mm. Okay. Okay, I've got a couple more. If you could visit any planet, specifically for its energy, not necessarily to like leave Earth and and inhabit that place which planet would you choose is the moon a planet no i would visit it's not a it's not a planet is it it's a, it's a moon yeah it's a moon <laughs> was that well that i would want to visit the moon i don't really know much about the planets but if i honestly if i had to pick one just because of the name i would choose venus but mm. i really don't know that much about them that means that's a very qualified answer <laughs> the moon if i had my real choice i'd, I'd say the moon even okay. though she's not a planet i love it <laughs> um spirit animal oh uh, i am connected to uh platypuses which are uh, an australian animal 
uh, you know, we, mm, but I don't really, I don't really feel as though, you know, I have a deep one in, in that particular way. But if I was to say that I was connected spiritually to an animal of a particular kind, it would be a platypus. Okay. Can you, that's my last question. So I just want to end there because I need to understand like about a platypus for a second. Cause I've never seen one. I've never been to Australia. I, I okay. feel like it's like my wish to experience a platypus. Okay. Well, they're so they, weird and amazing. They they are a very unusual animal. Uh they it they are hard to describe because they kind of look like two animals into one. They have the the body of what I would call almost looks like a very small otter. Mm-hmm. But then their beautiful little faces have a large bill like a, a duck. Mm-hmm. And so they're a very unusual animal and they are, they're, they're native to Australia. You can't find them anywhere else. They live in the water. And so like an otter or a duck, they, they do live in the water, but they are a mammal. And so they're this very strange, um, unusual little creature that swims about and they are connected to the the energy of the divine feminine. Like when I have looked up information about them, uh, that is the Indigenous uh, connection to them. Like within the Celtic lineage, we, we don't have spirit animals and so I don't uh, connect with having one of those from a, from a cultural perspective. But I suppose, I don't know whether I would say they are my favourite animal because you don't very often get to see them in the wild. They're very, they're, they're quite rare and unusual now. But there is something very, very spiritual and magical about them. And so when I think about an animal and spirit, that's what I think of a platypus. Mm. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I feel like the animal kingdom has so many secrets to share with us. It's so interesting. So I live many. in Michigan, which is um, very nature, like it's, um, it's very foresty in nature. So I'm in nature all the time and feel very connected with the, the animals around here, but we don't have platypus. So that's, I would never even know what that would feel like. <laughs> well, I have never seen one in the wild. Okay. Uh, I don't think many people would have. Um, I have seen them, oh, it'd be, it'd be decades since I've seen one since I was a little girl and went to, or a teenager and went to the zoo, um, which makes me a little sad. Uh, but you never know, maybe one day, but they're very private secretive little creatures that have their own world but they're around um but you'd need to be very blessed to see one you have much more luck seeing a kangaroo or a koala okay mm. oh so cool too i don't get those either <laughs> to come to australia to see them maybe yes uh, yes our animals are amazing <laughs> yeah when we can travel again yeah well thank you julie so much um I'm going to put all of your information down in our show notes so everyone can come connect with you and see your amazing and beautiful offerings. 
And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for our beautiful chat. Bye. Have a great day. You too.